0: Chuck Shoot Podcast. Really excited today. We got another special guest. Uh, He is Keith Douglas. He is the guitarist for the band Tora Tora, um, which was a big, pretty big hard rock group back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, They toured with a lot of big bands. Um, And some of you tuned into this episode specifically to hear the interview with him. Uh, Some of you may have no idea who he is, and I'm sure that you will learn quite a bit about him, as well as the band after this uh, episode is over. Um, but today is an exciting day, too, because uh, NFL season is back. NFL preseason starts tonight, um, so that's always a exciting thing for me. I'm a big football fan. so I think it's the Broncos and the Falcons. Eh, I mean, it's uh, not two of my favorite teams, but uh, I prefer football. I, I prefer even preseason football as opposed to uh, baseball. But that's just me. Um, other thing that's going on, I just saw, there's a new Tarantino movie out once upon a time in Hollywood. I just saw it last night. Um, wow. Uh, it was, it was a long movie. It was a kind of a departure for him. I would say, um, definitely it kind of reminds me in a way of stranger things in the sense that there's a big nostalgia piece to it, but I didn't grow up in the sixties. So I didn't, it didn't have that nostalgia effect. Like, Oh, I remember, I remember this and I remember that. But I think if you grew up in the sixties, You might appreciate it, appreciate that piece of it, the nostalgia piece. Um, But I will give my full review of this movie, and whether I think it's a good movie or a bad movie, um, that will probably be on the Chuck and Josh podcast. That's my other podcast that I do where we talk music, movies, news, our personal lives, uh, a little bit of sports too. But uh, that uh, episode will probably be next Thursday, so stay tuned for that. I'll give you my full review of the Tarantino movie. Um, and today I think I just want to focus on uh, Keith Douglas, the guitarist from Tor Torah, and the band Tor Tora. Tora. Um, so I found this band, I grew up in Seattle in the 90s, so I kind of caught the tail end of the, the hard rock, uh, what they call the hair metal uh, phase of rock, I guess. It was the late 80s, early 90s. I started to get into that kind of stuff in the, probably around 92 was when I first got into it. I listened to a Skid Row record and uh, this girl played and I was like, kind of blown away so I started getting into it. I started listening to Skid Row, Guns N' Roses, and then started getting into the poisons. And then I started just trying to absorb all of it. I mean, also the Metallica and the Megadeth and the heavier stuff. But I listened to a lot of I even listened to the Seattle stuff, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, all that stuff. But um, I remember in the mid-'90s, I got this compilation. It was called Youth Gone Wild. And um, it was just a compilation of, you know, each band had one song. And there's a song called Walking Shoes on there, and it was by Tora Tora. Never heard of the band, never heard the song. Uh, it was like the fourth song in or something, and it kind of like I think it was the best song on the record. It kind of blew me away. I was like, "Whoa, what is this?" Because it starts off with this kind of bluesy riff, and it's like almost like a like a blue, almost like country really. It's really bluesy, like Stevie Ray Vaughan or um, like a BB King bluesy riff, and then it just hits heavy, boom, and it kind of you kind of go, "Wow, what what the hell is that?" So I thought that song was awesome. Then I kind of tried to I think I tried to find the band's other albums. Couldn't find them. Um, I think they were out of print at the time. Um, so kind of just didn't really think much of it, but did like that song. I think it wasn't until years later that I was able to either find the CDs or I don't know if it was through iTunes or something. Somehow I ended up getting more songs from the band and I was like, oh, the, the other songs are good too. What the heck? So um, and then I, that's when I really became more of a fan of the band. And then of course I wanted to see them live, but I think at the time they hadn't been, they would broken up for like 15 or 20 years. Um, and now they are back together. They have a new album out and, um, they're actually on tour, which is also amazing. Cause I think they've mostly just done, um, w- once they reunited, I think they've mostly done shows around Memphis. Um, and they've done like monsters of rock, uh, cruise and, and festivals and things like that. But they're actually kind of on like a little bit of a mini tour right now. They've got some dates. Um, so we'll hear the history of the band, we're going to go through their, you know, their their peak time of that uh, late '80s, early '90s. Um, then they disbanded, and then we'll hear about when they got to back back together, and then kind of what they're up to now. So, um, Keith should be calling in any minute now. So, why don't we just uh, take a second here, and uh, he should be here any second. Okay, my guest today is the guitarist from the hard rock band Tora Tora. They had two uh, charting. Albums, as well as two songs that charted on the rock charts, they toured with Dangerous Toys, LA Guns, The Cult, Great White, Tesla, Bonham, and so many more. They actually have a new album out right now titled Bastards of Beal, and also have tour dates lined up. So please welcome to the show, guitarist Keith Douglas. Keith, how you doing?
1: I'm great, man. How you doing, Chuck?
0: Good, good. How's your knee?
1: Ah, man, I'm getting there. You know, I, I had a total knee replacement two weeks ago yesterday, and I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, like wow. Not. Is that yeah. just
0: from all the uh, hard rock touring, running around stage, or is it doing something else? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <sure>. no, <man. laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I just had, you know, premature, advanced arthritis. You oh. know? I think it's like a genetic type thing. Not real sure, but, yeah, you know, it was so kind of was... unavoidable. I, I did some other things trying to, trying to avoid, you know, replacing it all together and nothing else seemed to to do it
0: gotcha well let's just start from the beginning um when did you start playing guitar
1: oh man probably when i was 10 or 11 years old oh that that
0: long huh did you do other instruments before that or
1: uh not really you know i'll knock around on piano or drums and stuff like that but you know i was always a guitar guy you know growing up with uh with all the usual suspects kiss and you know
0: Right, Kiss Van Halen, Cheap Trick Journey, AC/DC, oh, yeah. ZZ Top yeah. and Foreigner. And I think to correct oh, me if I'm wrong, but these are your five favorite guitarists. Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, Angus Young, Peter Frampton and Randy Rhodes. Did I get that right?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. You know, I think that list <laughs> that list changes
0: from sure. time
1: to time. I'm not sure where you pulled that one up, but you know, I'm that's that was right, one time
0: or another. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So, but here's yeah. my question. So, I mean, obviously, you guys have a very bluesy sound to a lot of the guitar riffs. So, I don't. I'm not seeing yeah. a lot of blues guitar. I'm not seeing like BB B. King or Stevie Ray Vaughan on that list. Who is the where's the bluesy uh, guitar influence uh, coming from.
1: Well, you know, I'm not real sure, man. I'm <laughs> probably. I grew up, I, man. I was trying to mimic all of the metal dudes and you know right all all those people you just listed and i couldn't you know i couldn't touch any of them i mean we didn't have you know the would no youtube i mean it was a whole different world you know right. i was trying to learn solos with a with a vinyl you know picking up the needle and backing it up a million times you know trying to figure out joe perry and you know all that stuff and i just uh i don't know you know i just kind of ended up just kind of doing my own thing and You know, it was probably, you know, years later before I really started to appreciate, you know, some blues players. And you know, even in the last couple of years, I've come across some guys that are just blowing my mind, man. That are that are making me work, you know, just to be a fraction as good as these guys are. I mean, um, so you know, it's it's always an ongoing, ever evolving process, Because you know. I um, think,
0: so you were kind of more the metal guy, and then your singer, Anthony, also plays a little guitar, he, well, he was kind of more the bluesy, he called it a crooner, yeah. he was kind of a hippy-dippy kind of, he wanted to do kind of more acoustic stuff, and you and the Tor tour bassist, uh, Patrick Francis, you guys were actually in a band called Lycanthrope, which was more of kind of like an Iron Maiden, Judas uh, Priest type of band, so how did you yeah. get Anthony, who kind of seemed to have a different style, to come and form a band with you guys?
1: You know, we actually it was uh uh, john patterson our drummer i went to high school with him i've known patrick since elementary school um and we just kind of ended up jamming together and you know a singer is the hardest thing to come by Mm. you know um back then or where we were anyways and uh you know i just one of those guys said hey man I, i heard of this this anthony dude that can really sing you know and he came over and played some I can't remember. He might have played, like, some Journey, Patiently, it seems like, is a song he used to sing. And, he, hmm. you know, it was nothing. That's hard to really... sing, Steve
0: Perry, right? So he could, oh, could he nail oh, that pretty yeah. well?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And we were just like, man, dude, you know, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't care what you're singing. I okay. Mean, that sounded really, really cool. So, um, but, you know, once we started writing our own tunes, which was a result of being absolutely horrendous at doing cover tunes uh (laughs) so we didn't we didn't last very long at that at all yeah once we started writing stuff it kind of you know he and i to bounce those styles off of each other we kind of blended them together gotcha you know and it works out well and it definitely you know when we started writing for the the most recent record um, I wasn't real sure what was going to come out. I mean, we hadn't written together in a really long time and, uh, it's kind of like we fell right back into it. And it was the same exact, you know, yin and yang, you know, blending of, of our styles that kind of pop out. Our right.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So going back to that in 85, you guys got together. So you kind of, you had a band, but you didn't have a name. So there was, I guess I I heard this, tell me if this is right. You had a friend that came up with a, he had a list of like 60 or 70 band names. And, um, and actually for a while though, you guys were called free beer,
1: (laughs) which I thought was really funny. yeah, yeah. We had that. It was more of a joke than than anything else. But you did
0: know? you actually do some shows where you said, tonight is free beer playing, <laughs> and people showed no, up? No, I
1: don't I don't think we ever did. But, okay. You know, We so sure you... thought it would have been a great idea to put on a sign outside the club. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, beer. definitely. I think that would got some, a crowd for sure. So you picked yep. Tora Tora because you just thought it stood out, um, which Tora, I think it means tiger in Japanese, and it's kind of a, a play on the uh, – the code name for the attack used by the Japanese Imperial Navy on the Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Right. Okay. Did you guys right. know that at the right. time or are you more just like, Oh, well there's a Van Halen song called Tora Tora. You so- know,
1: we were probably way more familiar with the Van Halen <laughs> aspect of it. Okay. You know? gotcha. I was, Yeah. I mean, I was a Van Halen junkie back in those days. And, sure. You know, and you know, as we're looking through a list, it was actually a friend of ours named Kelly coffee. Um, and she's, she was a high school friend. she went to high school with Anthony and uh we just knew her forever. And she, yeah, she showed up with this whole list of names and we just kind of, you know, needed a name and went sure. through them and that one popped out and we said, okay, done deal. Awesome. You know, backed, so, I, so
0: yeah. So then I found this interesting. So your dad was in the glue business and you guys yeah, uh worked in this or he worked in this warehouse. And so what you guys did is took these old, uh, empty glue barrels and took some plywood and you built a stage in the corner of the warehouse and actually got a PA system. Um, but I, yeah. I thought, you know, first I thought when I heard this, I thought, Oh, you just used it for practice. But then I did some more research. So you actually, you guys actually had concerts there where you had like a door guy and a security guy and yeah, even a well, VIP it, section.
1: It kind of ended up being that way. Uh, it was, yeah, my dad was in that business and I actually worked in the same business, you know, it was a family type deal for yeah. many years. Um, but yeah, you know, we, I kind of talked him into the warehouse under the, you know, pretense that it would be extra storage for his business, you know, mm-hmm. and we could kind of use it and not bother anybody. So, you know, once we talked him into that and yeah, we kind of jack-legged the stage. And then the next thing we were jack-legging the light, you know, lighting, which was ter- like Radio Shack lights that, you know, at the time were cutting edge.
0: Sure. No, you know, it sounds with, fun. With so, control. Yeah. And people brought coolers of booze and lawn chairs and pe- people oh, ordering man. pizza so, and yeah. stuff.
1: <laughs> oh man. We, well, and you know, in those, there was really nothing for people under drinking age to do. Right. You know, there were no clubs to go in. There was nothing to do except get in trouble or, you know, whatever. So we yeah. just kind of started having these parties slash concert kind of things and charging, you know, two or three bucks at the door, but oh. you know, to us, you know, you put 400 people in there. That was like a, you know, jackpot. is that how many
0: people you would show up to these.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, wow. it, it, maybe not at the first one, but yeah. you know, it was a pretty good size room. Yeah. Cause and, didn't you uh,
0: recruit from the, the uh, bigger concert venue down the street and say, Hey, we got a, we got the after hours party at our warehouse over here. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it was actually right next door to the Mid-South Coliseum, uh, which was where every perfect. concert was, you know, from yeah. the late 60s through until they closed it. You know, that's where I saw all the shows when I was growing up. Everybody awesome. came through there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we would, you know, people would leave the concert and pop into our place, and we'd just kind of take advantage of the traffic, you know? Absolutely. Um, but, but it worked out awesome, I mean, and that's the way. we We actually went to Anthony went to a different high school uh, than John and I. So we kind of had our two, two crowds, you know, kind of brought together and it mm-hmm. just ended up, you know, it, it, that's kind of how we ended up building our following. And uh, once we were working with Ardent Studios and they were bringing in record labels, that's what uh, Brian Huttenhauer, who eventually signed us to A&M, he's like, man, I got off the airplane and got in my rent-a-car. And you guys were on the radio, you know, but yeah. we had a good so, time here. Yeah. I want to get to that. Like local stuff.
0: Yeah. So with the Arden studios, you guys actually, you entered a, a battle of the bands and you actually beat out 60 other yeah. bands and that's how you won the uh, recording time at Arden studios. And that's when you recorded that EP to rock and to rock, to roll. And that was the song's Phantom Rider loves a bitch. And they started getting airplay. Um, so can you tell me, what was it like the first time you heard your song on the radio? I mean, that's got to just blow uh, your mind, right?
1: It was mind-blowing, uh, but, you know, at the time, there was a, a guy here in town named Malcolm Riker, and he kind of started the whole local music scene, you know. It was pretty healthy back then, just just bands, and everybody was kind of supporting each other, and it was a pretty big deal, and he had a, uh, you know, he had a one- or two-hour show once a week or something with local music, and, and it became... Our song Phantom Rider Became so popular I mean it was like in heavy rotation
0: Was this on Rock 98 Is that what it was yeah, yeah Yeah okay
1: And uh So yeah I mean our Our A&M guy Hears us on the radio And then he shows up At our Warehouse Our underground Bar or Whatever you want to call it Yeah And it was packed I mean it was an insane Night mm-hmm. And he was just like Man what is going on You know down here But
0: very cool. Um, so then you signed with A and M Records, um, and you recorded yeah. in Ardent Studios in Memphis. And uh, I thought found this interesting. You, while you guys were recording, a lot of famous bands have, have been there, and I think they were recording while you were there. Allman Brothers, ZZ Top, Leonard Skinner. Oh man! Um, and I yeah. heard a story about how Anthony went to go get a cup of coffee one time, and he ran into Stevie Ray Vaughan. Did you ever get oh, starstruck yeah. seeing all these guys while you were recording your first album?
1: Oh my gosh! Uh, I totally did. I mean, <laughs> I was just—I was just on cloud nine, man. Just walking around, going, "Oh my god!" Uh, but the, the guy who produced our first record, Joe Hardy, right—he did all the easy Top stuff. So yeah. that was the, the big one I'll never forget. I'm in there trying to cut guitar solos, and Billy Gibbons decides to come in and watch you know? I'm, I'm Does like, that make Dude. you nervous, though, or no? Oh, I'm just like, man, y'all, this this isn't gonna work. You know? <laughs> I, I can't do this. But he's such a nice and cool guy, and we were, you know, messing around with different effects pedals, and you know, he actually walked around town in a Tora jacket for oh, quite a while.
0: That so is that awesome. Was cool.
1: Wow, that's really cool. It was, but it, it was so crazy. You know, there at that time, man, the artists, that was in the heyday of you know, big record budgets, and, mm-hmm. and every, everybody was in there. You know, we were cutting some stuff one night and uh, Greg Allman stuck his head in the door and said, Hey, y'all want to come and hear me sing? You know, he was cutting a record and it was his Jeez. birthday. And he was like, you know, come hang out. we were just <laughs> like, man, this is nuts.
0: Yeah. so That's so, so cool. It's pretty amazing. And, and yeah. for
1: us, I mean, it was, we were just blown away, man. And, you know, we were I like bet. kids in a candy store and, but, yeah, I ran into Stevie Ray there, all the Winter Center guys. Uh, i tell you who was there a lot. R.E.M. Those guys were really? always hanging out. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Um, Keith Richards was hanging there doing a solo album one time. Jeez. I can't even Did you get yeah, to meet I him
0: or, anything. like, talk to him at all or see him?
1: I did not. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't want to bother him. But, you know, it's kind of the thing where you hope to run into somebody in the bathroom. Or, right, you
0: know, right. So, so then it, you know. the surprise attack, that was your first album. Uh, it ended up peaking at number 47 on the billboard charts, which is pretty good. It had the singles, yeah. uh, Walkin shoes and guilty. So let's start with walk shoes. Cause that's the song that really got me into the band. I think it's a great song. It definitely holds the test of time. It does not sound dated at all. It just sounds like a great song. Um, it starts off with that bluesy riff. Um, now I right. read that you guys wrote that song in 10 minutes so does that include the bluesy riff, at the guitar riff at the beginning, or was that something that Joe Hardy uh, added later, or how no, did that come you know, about? I
1: had I had that riff, and you know, and then I just had the loose idea, and Anthony showed up at my place one day, and, and I just said, "Hey, let's do something with this," and we just cranked out the rhythm, you know, the rest of the music, and we wrote lyrics, and we were just finished with it. So you wrote the done, entire
0: thing with the lyrics too in ten minutes.
1: Uh, maybe not ten minutes. That's an exaggeration. (laughs) Okay. Maybe you know half hour or forty five minutes. I don't know, but but you know it really came together once we got into the studio to demo it. That's when it we actually heard it, what it could be, Mm -hmm. and we were just like, "Hey, man, this is you know," and that was that's when we realized that was a good one. But you know, uh, and I've heard a bazillion people say it. I mean the. The easy, easy ones, you know, the good ones come pretty easy, you know, when you sit around and and struggle and strain and pull your hair out, but you know, things get difficult.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, unless it's like a Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that, I'm guessing that was probably not written in 10 minutes, but yeah, I mean, Uh, a lot of the best, just especially rock songs like that, it's just, it's not real complicated, it's, It's nothing groundbreaking, but I mean, it's just it sounds really good. It's rocking. I mean, it's still. I just listened to it right before the interview, just to kind of get me pumped up for this. Like, it's still got that uh, you know vibe for me. Um, So then the song "Guilty." You guys, um, you actually made two versions of the video, and one was uh, I'm I'm based here in Arizona, um, and and one of the videos was filmed in Tucson at the Airplane Graveyard. Uh, but then yeah. you had to do a reshoot because MTV didn't like it. So, how much power did MTV have back in the day? Because this was before YouTube. So, and they were basically the only music video channel playing hard rock in America. So, did you basically just have to, kind of have to kiss their butt and just do whatever they said, or?
1: You know, I don't know that that was entirely their decision. Okay. But it, it weighed. Man, they had so much influence over the whole industry. Sure. That, that you know if there was anything they thought was negative about it the you know it, it would freak the label out so much that they were just like okay okay let's just start over you know mm. never mind huh. so and but i don't i don't think that was the only thing with that i think there were some other technical issues with that video as well uh, I've, I've heard stories of okay. later i don't you know
0: yeah
1: i mean we're just we're just you know we were cruising around, having the time of our lives. We were like, whatever, <laughs> right?
0: Know. But so going back to that video shoot, so I read that it, it cost around seventy five, eighty thousand, and the record label, oh, we're just going to charge you for that. So I can you explain to me because as someone who doesn't work in the music business, I don't understand how these contracts work. So they give you some sort of deal, and then they charge you for things like the bill. They give you like bills for like video shoots and and touring, or, or like is that like well, you could you actually know, owe money at the end of it? They or? don't
1: technically give you a bill for it but they tack it on to what you owe them you know out of of record sales so that's just that much longer
0: before
1: you recoup you know that they just tack it all on to you know your bill and and before you ever see a dollar from record sales all that gets paid back
0: but meanwhile they're paying for like touring costs and hotels and all those kinds of things right sure yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So yeah, then you guys, you know.
0: yeah, and you guys had a song on the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure soundtrack, Dancing with the Gypsy, which I love that movie. In fact, um, I actually worked at the high school there that was filmed at. Now, were you guys? Did you get oh, wow. to go to the movie premiere or anything, or is it kind of just like we sent you the song and then that's it?
1: That's pretty much it. Oh. I mean, we went. <laughs> we went with a whole group of uh, people here in Memphis oh. from Ardent yeah. Studios, where because that's actually right as we were first signed to a and M, I I think maybe before we even had started on our album, oh. we, we got that placed in that movie somehow. Oh, okay. Uh, do you, now A&M do you still get, get like contract.
0: a, do you get like a royalty check from that at all still? Or
1: yeah. Yeah. It's on my statements. <laughs> it's, it's pretty comical.
0: Oh really? Is it like, is it? Yeah. Okay. So it's nothing major, but it's something, right? I mean, it's still got money coming in, right?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's funny though. I just, you know, within the last couple of months, I have a 14 year old daughter, and I, mm-hmm. I said, "Man, you know a movie you might like? Check this out." And she she loved it, and then she couldn't believe that you know we had a thong on it, and she was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, so, they're
0: they're actually making a third one too, so maybe you guys can get on the soundtrack for the, I, uh, the hey, third one. I heard that. I yeah. heard that. I'm putting that I, out there for I you I in the universe. That. Yeah. So that Absolutely. and then in 1990, you guys toured. Did you tour with the Colt and Bonham? Okay. So how is that? Is there any, do you have any road stories or like, is it, I know you don't want you your married guy, you got kids, so you don't want to tell any crazy like Motley Crue dirt stories, but is there any sort of like, maybe like a spinal tap kind of story, like something went crazy or haywire? or
1: Oh man, our whole, you know, our, I could tell you a bazillion. We, <laughs> the final tap is true for everybody. It's so scary to every band how close to realistic that is. Um, I that was just a great time, man. That was the first that was the first big you know, well that was the first time we stepped out and played an arena and you know, we had a sh- pretty short set, but I'll sure. just never forget that. I mean we started in Houston uh at the summit. It was like a gosh, I can't remember the capacity, but it was just mind blowing. Yeah. You know, it took us so it was so cool though. I watched the cult every single night. Yeah. I mean, they were fantastic. And uh, Jason Bonham was like the super nicest guy in the world. Oh, that's um, nice to hear. And we, we got on really well with him. Um, so, I mean, it was just very memorable. I loved it. I, that's still my favorite album, Sonic Temple.
0: Yeah. That's good stuff. They, so, they're and then,
1: actually out right now touring the 30th anniversary. Of the
0: oh, party. that's very cool. And then you did a tour with LA Guns and Dangerous Toys um yeah how was that i heard those Uh, guys were really nice too they were they treated you really well right
1: oh yeah man it was a ball i mean all three of us i mean we were just you know all of our records were all doing well we were all all over mtv and it was just it was a good package and we Mm -hmm. everybody got along wonderfully and we just we had a really really great fun time cool that one lasted lasted oh gosh quite a while man we were on that um but yeah, I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed that one.
0: Cool. Yeah, I just saw Dangerous Toys at Col- in Colorado at Herman's Hideaway. Uh, I'm trying to get them oh, really? on the podcast. Maybe you can put in a word for me. <laughs> I was really impressed oh, yeah. with their guitarist. Yeah. Scott, I don't know if you remember him. I think it's the same original yeah. guitarist, right?
1: Yeah, I yeah. saw them. Um, we did a deal in Atlanta, Rocklana back in yes. the springtime.
0: Yes, I wanted to go uh, to that, but I had to work.
1: Yeah, they played that, and I... I Man, I ran into those guys. I haven't seen them in ages. Yeah. But, uh, but I talked to Scott for, yeah, wow.
0: Yeah, he's really yeah. good. Really, I was really impressed. Um, so then going back to to your uh, your career here, so then you had a second album that was coming out. And then, uh, but it was, there was a wait and you had some problems. You guys actually wrote 75 songs I heard for this, and you had a hard yeah. time picking songs. Now, tell me about this. You had a song on the album called uh, Nowhere to Go But Down that was actually co-written with Stan Lynch, who, for people who yep. don't know, he was the original drummer for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. How did that right. come about?
1: You know, I, I, that was another of uh, Brian Huttenhauer, our A&M guy. He, okay. he had set us up, Anthony and I, to go right with, just just to change it up. You know, we mm-hmm. had, we wrote so many songs for that album that was just dumb. I mean we were happy with a bunch of them, but you know, it was back to the, the record label. Mm. stuff. I mean, it's all, there's a lot of politics, Sure, you know? So, and we were just, just trying to, just trying to get, get it gone and done, you know, and, mm-hmm. and be happy with it. And, uh, you know, and then we would get, you know, in a, in a writing rut or whatever. And he'd say, let me hook you up with so-and-so, just go out and see him and hang out. Maybe I'll write something. And, uh, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, and but we we did hook up with some pretty interesting people. Um, but Stan Lynch was one that we just we clicked like right off the bat. We actually wrote um, a few songs with him. Oh, uh, Dead Man's Hand is on that same record. He he was a writer on that. Oh,
0: I didn't know that. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, but such such a cool guy. Yeah, and we would just go hang out, hang at his house out in the valley in, in LA and, and just, you know, just a super nice guy. Very I mean, cool. I,
0: so you did a yeah. lot of writing and then the second year was trying to get into the studio. You finally did, you finished the record. Uh, but then the record label den- delays you for nine months because at the time uh, Brian Adams was coming out, they he had a new uh, record coming out and they said, we're really going to concentrate on Brian Adams. So, Um, you guys had the choice of either releasing it without as much support from them or to wait nine months and then they would be fully behind you. Now um, this was also at the time that obviously the music scene was changing a little bit in hindsight. Do you wish that you would have maybe not had waited so long to put out that record?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, of course, but you know, it wasn't completely up to us in our Mm -hmm. decision either. Um, You know, we had, we were working with John Hampton, as a producer on that album. And he ended up, you know, due to a label suggestion, he ended up going to work to do the gin blossoms first album. And they replaced him with Arthur Payson to work on ours and finish it out. Sir
0: Arthur Payson, uh, right? If I I remember correctly,
1: that, that is correct. And, uh, so, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on then, but at the end of the day, when we heard the record, the final mix, man, we were blown away. Yeah, yeah, it's still. I mean, I think it's my favorite sounding thing we ever did, from top to bottom. It's man, it'll blow your speakers off.
0: I know. I I love the first single, especially Amnesia, which was actually co-written by Taylor Rhodes, who also co-wrote Aerosmith's "Crying," as well as songs by yeah. Kix, Celine Dion, Journey, Cheap Trick. I mean, he's on all sorts of stuff. And that that song got airplay yeah. on radio and on MTV. Um, so, but again, it was around this time, the grunge thing started taking off and, um, you guys were kind of more of a hard rock, I think bluesy hard rock band. Um, but right. th- I did, this is interesting. So Alice in Chains was kind of becoming, starting to become a big band. Now you guys actually had Alice in Chains open for you and you hung out in the Northwest and when they were in Memphis, um, tell me about yeah. that what that was like, um, hanging out with Alice in Chains. You guys kind of just thought of them more as just a rock band,
1: right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were, uh, Several several gigs up in the northwest for us. They opened, and uh, they're such nice, super cool guys. And um, you know, they were giving me demo tapes and all this stuff. And we were hanging out, you know, before and after the gigs. I remember hanging at the hotel and just talking. And you know, I, I'll I'll never forget hearing Man in the Box on the radio for the first time. And I was like, Holy crap, man! they're they got a record deal, you know. Oh, so
0: you they I, opened for you like before they had a deal. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Ah. Yeah. A few times.
0: Was that when um, you guys were just on a club tour or was that which tour? Do you remember yeah. what?
1: We were we played Seattle. Gosh, there was a club downtown. If I heard the name of it, I would know it. I'm from
0: Seattle. Is um, it was it the Paramount or the Moore or Showbox? Mm,
1: nah, man, I don't remember. <laughs> no, it was it was right downtown. Sure. Uh just a big rectangle brick room okay. um so but this was you know 30 years ago right also. um but yeah they opened for us there and in some other clubs seems like we did a theater in spokane and mm. they opened for us um but just super cool and they had uh i remember going home after that tour and i was really getting into some of the demo stuff that they'd given me. And, you know, then they came through, came through Memphis a time or two and we were hanging out. So, um, so, so yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I'm, you know.
0: So when they start taking off, do you guys call them and say, Hey, you, we, uh, we let you open for us. Can we open for you now?
1: No, no, <laughs> no okay, no, no, we never did that. But do you still but, keep in uh,
0: touch with them at all or Jerry? Not, not really. No,
1: okay, No, no. I, I haven't. No, I haven't seen them in in a number of years, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, some, some of the same people have been knocking around. I mean, the first time we played Atlanta, the black crows opened for us. I was going to say
0: that was my next question about the black crows. Tell me about that. Yeah. That sounds good. I'm a big fan of theirs too.
1: It was, um, it was right around the height of the surprise attack. stuff. We played a club down there and I mean, it was packed. I do remember that. Yeah. And, uh, and they were the local band, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think it's even before they were called the Black Crows; they were called Mister Crow's Garden.
0: Oh, interesting! I didn't uh, know that.
1: And yeah, and they were playing a lot of uh, a lot of cover tunes mixed in with their own stuff, a lot okay. of and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but they were, you know, to just have have known them that night, and they were they were pretty wild and uh, having a good time. But I remember those two, the brothers, you know, telling me, yeah, we're about to get signed and, you know, which is the same thing every band everywhere says. And we were just like, oh, cool. You know, good, good for you.
0: That's cool. Now, did you tour with uh, Warrant and Lynch Mob around this time too, or did I, did I get that wrong?
1: Um, you know, that.
0: Or did a couple shows with them maybe?
1: No, we did a tour. Okay. With those guys. Um, And I, Gosh, I can't remember. It, it was around that same time, I think.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
1: But and that was that was pretty cool too. You know, I've I do remember the first the first show of that gig. I walked in. We did a, we did a college uh, somewhere, and I walked in the bathroom between the dressing rooms, and George Lynch was in there with his guitar, and I was just going, "Holy crap! I can't believe freaking George Lynch is in there, y'all." You know? Yeah. He's in there just, just practicing. I don't know. It was wild. He's a good yeah. guitar it was another player. Another one actually. of those moments, man, for, yeah. you know, just being a fan. Right. Pretty mind blowing.
0: So then you guys started work on the Revolution Day record. Um, and that, I think, was a, a finish in 1984. But this this kind of like irks me because A&M refused to release it. I mean, it came out years later, but I heard that actually wasn't the actual recording masters. It was kind of bits and pieces that you guys had lying right. around that you had to put together. Right. So I, I guess I just don't understand this. Why doesn't the record label... I know this you know, grunge has taken off, and you know, you guys are not the hot band anymore, but for the hardcore fans, I mean, I'm sure it would have sold at least a few... Does it cost too much to just even print the copies of it? To I mean, without promotion? You know, I didn't I, understand that. I
1: think, you know, they only... They they only paid for us to make that because they were obligated contractually. Mm, yeah, uh, but you know, at that time, man, it was it was man. I was gone. You know, the whole company turned over music. The whole everything changed overnight. You know, every mm-hmm. every and unfortunately, we got clumped in with all the the hair metal band. I never understood you know? that
0: because you guys never put on the makeup or I mean you were like a jeans and t-shirt kind of band. You, yeah, you had long hair but I mean sort of Metallica and they they persevered through the 90s. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand yeah. that. But um so that was well, kind of the you know, Go ahead, sorry. We just
1: kind of, kind of got pigeonholed yeah. into that and uh you know, and when they were done, they were just done. So, right. they let us record it and it and, yeah, I know that was just kind of a rough time, man, because sure. every You know, everything was so uncertain, and we were worn out. I mean, man, we had been on the road so long that we were just, you know, frazzled. And Mm. so it it was that was a tough, tough time and tough recording. And it it wasn't, you know, too long after that that, you know, I kind of stepped away for a while. I had a a son that was on the way. He was born in 94. Right. And at the time, I was just thinking, you guys, man, I got to go, you know you know, when that that responsibility first hit you, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Like, so, yeah, yeah you, you, know, you got married, go, you had a son. So I'm assuming, I, I don't know, but I'm assuming that you, did you have to get like a regular job then or like like a nine to five or did you just teach guitar lessons or what did you do during no, this hiatus? No, I mean, eventually.
1: I, okay. Eventually, I fell into this and that and, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got
0: to do. Yeah, I just, um, th- that's got to be hard going from, touring a rock band and being playing arenas. And now all of a sudden like, okay, now I got to get like a real job. Like, doesn't that, yeah.
1: (laughs) But at least you got
0: to live that for so, I mean, for so many years, like that's, you always have those memories. And now you guys are touring again, which I think is awesome. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Did you, you know, it's, it's so, I don't know. I'm just so grateful to have, you know, been able to do what we did. I mean, even at the time we were touring, and just having the time of our lives, I mean, we were just looking at each other going, man, can you believe this? This was a blast. You know, Absolutely. We were just having a good time. I mean, uh, it was party time pretty heavily. But uh,
0: <laughs> Oh, really? So, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was like well, motley crew the dirt okay all right gotcha oh no 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 <laughs> hey
1: listen man i don't think anybody can touch those guys
0: so
1: no we weren't okay we weren't even close man we were milking cookies compared to those guys <laughs> so
0: that is great that was a great comparison okay so oh, yeah, now during but, uh, this hiatus that you guys you got the band broke up did you do any did you play in some cover bands or tribute bands for fun or local fun bands i or, didn't do anything no. you just I didn't do anything wow. Did you after, practice a guitar after, at all? Or?
1: I, you know, yeah. And, but, you know, honestly, there was probably a span of about probably 10 years that I rarely touched a guitar. Wow. Uh, Just from, you know, I, I don't know, just got busy and kind of got distracted from it, you know? Yeah. Um. Uh, Did you miss then, it? Did
0: you, were you, was there a piece of you that going, God, I want to be, or were you able to be creative in your day job or, or anything or?
1: Uh, You know, I, yeah, I missed it, it mm. but, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, gosh, glad, glad I got to do that, and it's, you know, time to move on and do other stuff. And uh, Really? So, when we finally got back together, you know, I had seen Patrick somewhere, and that's that's right around the time where I had read an article about Rock, Oklahoma, and I oh. saw their, their lineup, and I was like, holy I can't believe these bands are even still around. <laughs> like you know? which bands? And it was everybody. It was everybody. I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, and I had run into Patrick, and I said, "Hey, man, you know if if we could ever get on that deal, yeah. I'll, I'll hook back up with you guys, and oh. we can play it." And it was about three months later. He said, "Hey, man, I think I think we can get on that bill and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" So
0: that's awesome. That was the
1: first that was our first gig back was in 2008 right and uh which was you know it was pretty wild man we had to do a lot of rehearsing and a lot of relearning i mean i had to gosh it it, it took some work yeah well that's uh, you were
0: quoted as saying um some of the early stuff you were a little too ambitious for your own good um And so you're more into the melodic uh, bluesy style rather than the fast and flashy these days. So you have a hard time playing a couple of those, your own solos from the surprise attack record. Um, So talk to me about how you get around that with the live shows. now. You don't use tape or anything, do you?
1: No, no. Okay, good. No, gosh, have you ever seen it live? No, (laughs) No, I want to
0: see you. You're not coming to Arizona, though. I'm going to have to pick a road trip.
1: Man, we are coming to Vegas and Salt Lake City.
0: Yes, I think I'm thinking that maybe the Salt Lake City. Um, so my last uh, episode, I interviewed Mark Gus Scott. He's the drummer from Trickster, and he's he's having a he's doing a solo album. And it's that weekend. He's doing a, a release party. And, I, and so I'm invited. Ah, so it's like gotcha. so I'm hoping his, I don't know what day, if it's Friday or uh, Saturday. I know you guys are playing Saturday in Vegas. So I'm hoping his party is either Friday or Sunday. And then I can maybe gotcha. do or I'm going to have to drive to Salt Lake City. <laughs> it's not too far, oh, but man. Yeah, there's wow. a, There's some good venues down here, so maybe you guys can look at just sneaking in and drive. You know, driving through Arizona on are, on your way. <laughs> are,
1: are you in Phoenix? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, Scottsdale. Okay. Which there's a there's a really cool place uh, called BLK Live. It's a beautiful yeah. venue. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, it's it's kind I, of a yeah, newer. Phoenix. And they have a lot of the rock bands come play there. So I saw a video yeah, cool. um, that you you said something about. I'm doing a quick solo for one of uh, Kiefer's projects. Um, did you, you played a solo on Tom Kiefer's new album or what? Tell no, me about...
1: that's my son. My son's name is Kiefer.
0: Oh, okay. Well that, so that explains yeah. that. So he does bands exactly. as well then?
1: Oh, he, he does producing and engineering. He's, he lives in Chicago oh. and uh, he does his own thing. And he, uh, man, he keeps very busy and he's, I, you know, all the technology these days is way over my head. So, you know, he just happened to be visiting Memphis and he said, man, I got this, this thing I'm recording for these people and the guy can't get a solo. Will you just, you know, knock one out real quick.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. So, and then you guys did the Monsters of Rock cruise this March with, um, that was with Tom Kiefer and Tesla and extreme and Queens, right? Skid Row, faster, put all these bands. So, um, that's gotta be fun. So they pay you. Do you play every night or one night and then you just get to be on the cruise and hang out the rest of the time or
1: well, we play twice, okay, so you ha there's two there's two performances, and then you're set up to do a meet and greet type mm. event yeah um and maybe one of the I can't remember a photo thing I can't remember, but the rest of the time it's just you know hang out and watch bands.
0: So oh, that's awesome. It's,
1: it's a ball, man. We we love going, and they they do it so well, um and it's so well organized. Larry Moran runs that, and he's he does a wonderful job. Uh, yeah. it's a great time. That's the second one that we had, we had been on, and uh, man, I love it. It's it's a blast because you know the wives all go, and it's just like a good hangout and vacation for all of us to get that's together. That's very cool. Together.
0: Yeah, I've never even been on a cruise, so I'll have to check that out one of these days. So, and then you did the M3 show with Whitesnake and Vince Neal and Steven Adler. Yeah. So I heard, did Vince Neal, he flew down on his helicopter or something like that for the concert? Like, or private jet or something?
1: You got me. (laughs) I have no idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you get to hang out with those guys at all? Or.
1: Not really. No. No. (laughs) I mean, the day, I think the day we were playing. Oh, I can't even remember. I don't, I don't know. I, it's terrible. I don't really, I, they kind of start to run together now with yeah. who played which, which thing, but, but some um, of the
0: bands, do they kind of have like, like the bigger bands Do they kind of not mingle as much with the other bands that they, they kind of like, you know, we're too big, kind of have that attitude sometimes, or is everybody I, pretty cool no. or.
1: I, you know, everybody's different, but, um, <laughs> gotcha, you know, I haven't everybody I've met been been very very nice, man, and very cool. And you know, a lot of people are more I don't know, grown up. Yeah. You know, right. Than than we were all twenty five years ago. And you know, everybody's it's it's good though, man. It's a yeah. good time and and we've a blast, man. It's so awesome to to run into, you know, some of the the same fans that were out there you know, a billion years ago, you know?
0: Yeah. They probably bring their kids now to the concerts, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's a blast, but that, that was a great event. That was the first time we did M3 mm-hmm. and, uh, it was really top notch, man.
0: That sounds they, fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They know what they're doing. and It's a beautiful venue. Um, the Meriwether post Pavilion. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Now,
0: are there any, uh, newer bands or guitarists that you're currently listening to?
1: Man, I run across these guys, just guitar players on the internet, these different guys. This is a guy that plays for Edgar Winter named Doug Rappaport, who's one of the best guitarists, man. He's just blowing my mind. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. I'll have to check uh, that out. Just a lot of blues guys, man. there's, gosh, I can't name off the top of my head. But I'm I'm always looking for new Just regular rock is so refreshing. Yeah, so good to hear bands now coming out like Rival Sons.
0: Yes, they are. One that I'm
1: hearing now, I actually heard on the radio, was Dirty Honey. Yeah,
0: great band. Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. I like that.
0: What about Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown? Or if you listen to them, they're kind of bluesy. Man, that
1: guy, that guy's an incredible guitar player. Yeah, you know, he's he's one to you know for me to set my sights on and never I doubt I would ever achieve that. But man, his phrasing and his playing is so tasteful. You know? Yeah. He posts all these snippets on Instagram and wherever else and man, gosh, man, he can dude knows how to phrase and <laughs> put his solo together. I know, but,
0: but see, even you, for the average person, see, I took guitar lessons when I was in high school. I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be a musician. I took guitar lessons for like two years. And I mean, it. people don't understand how hard it is to, to be at, even, you know, you say, you talk about these people that you look up to, but I mean, I look up to a guy like you even, because you are oh. at a, such a higher level than, I mean, I took lessons for two years and I couldn't even get close to what you guys are doing. like Or Scott from Dangerous Toys or any of those guys. Um, I don't think people understand the level of talent that it takes to to you know to, to just even have a recording deal. I feel like it's it's very very competitive. I mean, like like I said, you guys beat out sixty bands to win that battle of the bands. I mean, so you're better than sixty other bands, I and mean, that's pretty impressive if you think about it
1: yeah, well, you know, we were probably. I know we we were doing some heavy uh campaigning at that event, too <laughs> that's,
0: that's part of it though that's a big piece of yeah. it is the marketing and all that stuff for sure that's huge,
1: absolutely yeah, for sure, but you know some people man, I have to tell you, I mean guitar player wise some some guys, man, I mean, I can just hear some guys just just get it, man, some mm-hmm. guys are just born with it, yeah. I don't think I'm one of those guys. So did you practice a
0: lot or how did you, I mean, you sound pretty good to me. So, uh,
1: you know, I'm okay. I've got got a (laughs) long way to go. I probably, you know, I don't practice enough. And I, I, just like I said, I went through a big span of years where I hardly even touched it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And that's, but when people see great, these great guitar players and you know, that's what they don't see are the hours and hours and hours and hours that, that those guys put in, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Some um, of them,
0: the, you know, ever the guys that I watch, I mean, it does seem like they just make it look easy. Uh,
1: uh, Cause man, I would practice yeah, and practice and guys, I couldn't so, get it. But you have to admit there's some guys that it's just coming through them. The guys like Stevie Ray Vaughn. Yes. And you know, to where they're almost just not even there.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Music is just kind of rolling through them. And and that's, I can spot those players, those players a mile away. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. So there's some good ones out there, man. I just, you know, I'm trying to get disciplined enough to, to try to get even kind of close. I would be super happy with.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think you're, you're doing pretty well. Um, So Uh, now you're living in Memphis right now. So we just uh, went to Nashville um, and I was amazed at how much music and live music is in Nashville. They have these bars that are four stories and every story is a different band is Memphis. It's got to be similar, right?
1: Or uh, you know, probably not quite to the extreme of Nashville now, Okay, you know, I mean, Nashville, I think has just now gotten like that in the last 10 or 15 years. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, they've always had venues, of course, and a club scene, but that's man, that city has grown leaps and bounds, uh, over the last 10 years. I mean, it's insane, but, uh, yeah. I was, I don't this know this
0: this if we we went for the NFL draft, so I don't know if it was extra crazy because of that, but I mean, it was just every bar with, like I said, it was four stories and every story had a different band. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I've been to Vegas, uh-huh. New York. I mean, I've never seen anything so much live music. It was really cool.
1: Oh, well God, there's so many musicians there. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, Anthony
0: lives there, right? So you guys yeah. are just a couple, how far yeah. is Memphis from Nashville? A couple hours or?
1: Uh it's about a 3 hour drive.
0: Okay, it's not bad.
1: Yeah, it's not terrible. Yeah. So um but the cool thing and the thing that I love about Memphis is that you know, people just grow up here hanging downtown, hanging on Beale Street and just picking up the blues kind of stuff. It's it's mind-blowing to me that mm-hmm. I can walk into any hole in the wall in the city and you can see some of the best musicians and entertainers in the world that nobody's ever heard of.
0: I bet. I yeah. Mean, That's how I felt in Nashville. Just, I mean, I was seeing these, these cover bands and they were really good. I mean, there was people playing at the airport that I was like, this person has a hundred times more musical talent than I do. And they're just playing at the airport.
1: Uh, well, you know, every, I guess Nashville today is what, you know, all the actors and actresses that used to flock to LA, you know, yeah. I mean, there's so many players great players in Nashville and all these session guys. I mean, everybody's right. a perfectionist.
0: You yeah. Know? Cause I think a lot That's of the true. rock I mean, bands are moving true. there too, right? right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Brett Michaels
0: and there. John Karabi. And uh, I mean, your singer Anthony. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are kind oh, of moving no. there.
1: Yeah. Not Everybody just used there.
0: to be kind of country. Now it's just like, there's a lot of hard rock guys there too.
1: Yeah. Which is very yeah. cool. Everybody headed that way. I mean, the cost of living has so got to be, you know, amazing compared to you
0: know LA, LA and New York yeah absolutely yeah, so you sure. guys are on tour you're 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 going to Maine Salt Lake City Vegas a bunch of uh, venue, uh cities in Texas you're going to play at the the famous Whiskey a Go Go which I just finally got to go to see a show at a few months ago um but again oh, no cool. no Arizona who did, who did I see yeah i saw uh, enough's enough
1: oh how was it
0: i i liked it yeah i still like the band um it's a different chip is the bass player. He's taken over and singing. Um, their singer has a new solo album, which is also pretty good. They're, they're kind of like a Beatles influenced, uh, yeah. band, but yeah. I, I, really liked them and, uh, it was a good show. I had a, I had a lot of, a lot of fun. So I'm excited to, I, I might drive up for that whiskey, a go-go show. I got to either hit you the, at Salt Lake city or maybe the Vegas or the whiskey, one of them, unless you guys book the Arizona date. If you do, you got to let me know. So
1: yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, well, I man, I can't wait to do the whiskey. That's I don't know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, LA was kind of a weird scene for us because that was the height of the hair metal. Sure. And that Now, I noticed you
0: use the term hair metal. So is that not, because I'm always curious about that. I Personally, I just, I I don't mind the term hair metal because I just love so many of those bands that it doesn't offend me. So is it not a, it's not an offensive term to you then?
1: No, no, (laughs) not at all. I mean, that's just what I'm used to hearing that genre called, you know? Right, right, yeah. Um, No, I don't think it's offensive at all. Um, But, you know, we got lumped in with that, the country but the people who did separate us out it seemed like la yeah and we were just kind of like outcasts there, sure you know um and we played a couple of gigs i remember playing the roxy and it was okay but for whatever reason we came through and did the whiskey and man that was one of the greatest gigs that i remember and it was a packed house and it was killer and it's such such a historical cool play. Yeah. Mean,
0: Van Halen's played that, that. I mean, like everybody's oh, played God. that, right? So
1: yeah, you name it. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody.
0: Yeah. So, that'll be a fun I mean, show. I just
1: recently saw a picture of, you know, Eric Clapton playing there with whoever cream.
0: Oh, who was, wow. I don't know. Yeah. I man, think even, yeah. Cause it, it goes back pretty far at the whiskey a go-go. So um, did you now you guys never lived in LA? Did you, or? No, 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 no. no. She so just played there, and uh, you still recorded in Memphis and all
1: that. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time in LA. Anthony and I did from you know taking trips to write with people and do you know stuff with the label, and so we ended up spending quite a bit of time out there. So,
0: right did today. you hang so, out at the Rainbow? And I mean, you were you involved uh, in the scene a lot? You know, and-
1: not really. I mean, no, we went okay. to the Rainbow a time or two, but, you know, it was more of a, I don't know, you know, more of a show, you know, the, I, we're just not, just like you said, we're the jeans and t-shirt kind of guys. And Absolutely, just, yeah. Kind of weird. No, that's where we didn't dress up enough, really, to hang out there. I but guess. were
0: you? So were there, there? friends that you made during this era with some of the bands. Are you good friends with any of these bands? Are these a lot of people that you just didn't talk to for twenty-five years or twenty years or whatever?
1: Uh, who? Yeah, out, out there.
0: Yeah, just well, just in terms of like, you kind of took this hiatus from the music industry. Did you keep in touch with with any of the bands or musicians, or was it kind of just you, took, I, a you know, I, I took a break from all the music?
1: I I kind of took a break yeah. from all of it. That's what it sounds know, like. It's very I, I common. Kinda, well, I stepped away and then, you know, from the mid nineties to the end of the nineties was probably the, my least favorite era of music ever. So, I mean, I just, I kind of checked out for a little while cause I couldn't, you know, I didn't like much of what was coming out. New lies. Gotcha. Um,
0: like the so, grunge era, the Soundgarden and the Nirvanas and Pearl Jam and all. That. Well,
1: I love Soundgarden. Oh, okay. I mean, they were, they were label mates too. He was, you know, Brian Huttenhauer signed us, and he signed Extreme, and he signed Soundgarden, right, all at the same time. So we all knew of each other and knew each other yeah. because of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I actually spent a day in Memphis hanging. You know, he needed somebody to hang with Chris Cornell, because he was here doing some voiceovers for a live record, and he didn't know anybody here. So, you know, it was my job to go pick him up and hang for the day, which is a cool story now.
0: Yeah. So what's he like? Because, I mean, he's a great singer, great musician, great songwriter. Um, What's he like as a person? I, I never... Hung out with Well, him. <laughs> I
1: mean, this was way back then. And yeah. you know, I I you know, he was just kind of a quiet, reserved guy, you know. Interesting. I got the feeling we were a lot more wild than him.
0: <laughs> Even uh, the milk and cookies band was more wild than Soundgarden,
1: huh? Uh well, I mean we weren't milk and cookies. Compared to my <laughs> to crew. crew. Okay. Yeah. Compared gotcha. to those guys.
0: Well, one thing but, that's yeah. kind of an impressive um uh, that you guys you actually have all four core members still in the band I mean that's pretty impressive that's pretty rare these days I feel like so many bands change members so many times is there a secret to that or is it just I mean you guys all seem so down to earth and there doesn't seem to be a lot of drama involved and
1: no I just think you know we've known each other for so long yeah and we've you know we've just kind of all come full full circle really I mean everybody's kind of gone out there and you know there was there was a, even a number of years that i i had rarely seen or talked to anthony or patrick or you know just if we happened to see each other but we weren't like friends like call each other all right. the time and but um and you know everybody just had different things anthony moved away for a little bit and uh i don't know man we just kind of all grew up i guess yeah you know
0: that's very cool and, i mean uh, and then in 2016, um, Patrick is diagnosed with cancer and you guys don't yeah. say, okay, well, we're just going to replace you get a new band uh, basis. You actually get an event going and a fundraiser and you, you know, rally to support him. I mean, that's pretty right. impressive. I feel like loyalty is a very undervalued, uh, you know, thing right now in society. So I think that's uh, you got to give you props for that. I think that was very cool. So
1: yeah, and you know, I mean, that wasn't entirely our doing. There was a good friend of ours, Matt Montgomery, who who had that original idea, Um and that turned out to be such a great event. And I mean, the Memphis music community—I mean, even from back then to now—is it, really tight, and people support each other and show up. And that was that was a really a great night, man. And it was it was one of those man where you can just feel a vibe in there, and it was so much positivity and. Uh, it was just really good good time absolutely and, it, and that's also something that you know i mean none of us are spring chickens anymore or getting any younger and sure we just kind of felt like man you know it, if we love playing music together i mean why don't we do it i mean because we all four do i mean you can swap one of us out and it just doesn't really feel right for sure. any other
0: that's great though yeah.
1: and it's always been that way and you know and that's why we have such a good time now. To and and we feel so grateful, you know, to be able to get out and, you know, even if we're just doing weekend run to go and see people, you know, where we haven't played in 25 years, and yeah. it's it's a blast, man. Absolutely, we're just enjoying it, and you know, why not? And if you can make a couple of bucks, yeah, know, on you a, know, on a weekend, why not? And go have a great time. While yeah, and you know, so I wanna... nobody's gonna. I want to, to talk about
0: this too. Um, I always uh, end with a, a, a positive thing, a charity of some sort that some a cause that you're passionate about. Um, tell me about the uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I, I noticed that you're uh, um, supporting them. You're that's something that you're is near and dear to your heart.
1: Yeah, I mean St. Jude. I don't know how much you know about it, but it's it's just such an amazing place, and that you know. To be here in Memphis, I've had just so many people I know that have been touched and helped by St. Jude, and people that have been through. You know, it, it's amazing what they do for families, no matter where they're from or their background, or and they take care of their kids and they don't charge them a dime. And it's uh, you know, it's just an amazing thing, and they they deserve. You know, if there's any worthy charity I know of in the, the world. It's that one.
0: Awesome. Um, Very cool.
1: So, yeah, I mean, and I always, I mean, I'll, I'll support whatever they're doing, man. I've got two healthy kids and, you know, I'm super grateful for that. And, you know, I just, it, I don't know. It's a tough thing, man. It's, do you yeah. have kids?
0: No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I would like to someday. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And once you do, and and that makes it even just more makes you appreciate him even more. Absolutely. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you had a great life so far. Your father, you're a husband, you've toured with all these great bands. You're still touring. You got the new record out, Bastards of Beal. Everyone should check it out. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to promote at this time? Or we got the tour dates, uh, uh it's on the uh, website.
1: Yeah. You can check us out on all the regular social, um, check out our website it is tour dot com um we'll be heading out a couple of weeks from now to do the new england rock festival uh that's the one in chicopee massachusetts on august 16th then we'll be at skip's lounge the following night and then on that sunday night we're at the vault music hall in new bedford massachusetts and we're just looking forward to it man we can't wait to get out there and and hook up with everybody and rock out, man. That'll be fun. Yeah.
0: One. I'll have to try to check you yeah. guys out. Um, unless you had an Arizona date, I'll have to make a road trip and, uh, I've never seen you live. I hadn't seen dangerous toys. I and mean, so we, we drove to Colorado to see them and it was great. So I'll have to do that for Tora Tora too, for sure.
1: Yeah. Cool, man. We'd love to have you. Just let me know.
0: Okay. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, and we'll stay in touch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Chuck. I appreciate it, man. Okay.
0: Thanks again, Keith.
1: All right. Take All right. care.
0: Bye-bye. Okay, that was Keith Douglas, guitarist from the band Tora Tora. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I also have uh, some other, a couple of other interviews that I've done so far, and hopefully many more to come. Um, we also do a uh, the Chuck and Josh podcast. We have about 50 episodes of that, um, so check that out. Um, we're on everything: iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, all these things. I don't even know what they are, but we're on there. So you just Google it; you should be able to find us. Um, I'm Chuck shoot and that's it for me and I'll see you until next time. Thanks.